वेलकम टू द पॉडकास्ट सदगुरु ऑफ मिस्टेक्स एंड मिस्टेक्स who don't understand and there may be some in the room what did you sing <laughs> it's a uh, it's a chant uh, which in some way describing the human condition but is a flashing because you can see can somebody fix the feedback please <coughs> you can see this on a child's face mm. just being born there's a pleasure about being alive mm. you can see it on children's faces mm. but death is a compassion we are glad that we can all die one day right now if i mention this word there'll be a lot of anxiety in people but the best thing about life is nobody fails everybody passes <laughs> just <laughs> just imagine because you did not do life good enough they detained you that wouldn't be good <laughs> and so death is a passage it, it is a compassion it's a compassion of life it allows us to pass where are the sound people can we avoid that in any way if anyone can help us please please do try and assist us to avoid that thank you so much i see them waving they're working on it that's amazing sir. and uh, the next part of it means mm. so we may think of many things about our lives right now we have come here we will go there we will go to many places we'll do many things but as far as our physical self is concerned the body is concerned as far as our body is concerned it is going straight to the grave or in other words time is one thing that you can't hold it sticking away all the time If you live great it takes away if you live lousy it takes away if you sleep it takes away if you sit it takes away if you walk it takes away do whatever it takes away as i'm speaking 
you're one minute closer to death, that's what it means. And this is the biggest thing. Only because human beings have forgotten, they're not conscious of their mortal nature. They can invest their time in so many things which doesn't mean a damn thing to them. If they were conscious today that I'm time is ticking away, they would do only what really matters. If all of us do only what truly, truly matters to every one of us, this would be a fantastic place to live. That's so powerful, it's so powerful. And I hear you laughing, I'm kind of stunned by the reality of it, especially <laughs> when we look at society and the fact that so many people are unconscious, and I'll come back to that. But I want to bring us to the conversation which is the future of the feminine. And I do have some questions in relation. They've ruled Deep the past, questions, they're I think. ruling the present, they'll rule the future. The women, ah, <laughs> <laughs> Questions answered, no. So. So I, I, let me start with a deep one. And you know, I, I, I always like to look at my ba background and my culture, and in so many ways I think I embody two different cultures. My father is from, his family was from Kashmir. My mother's family is, is Kenyan-African. And um, I see... I, I, you yes. cannot say that he's from Kashmir. You must say he's from India. Oh, no. Oh, I didn't say which side he ended up on, by the way. <laughs> uh, sorry. We're not into politics yet. We're going to come to politics in just a short while. Because right now there's a law in the country. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, I'm treading on, I'm treading on dangerous ground now. My father then is originally from India. So let's, let's make it clear. Um, I grew up in a family where, and for all the girls in the house who went through this, you will understand, you say something at the table and nobody notices you said it, and five minutes, one of your brothers says it five, five minutes later, and everybody says, oh, what an intelligent thing. How many ladies went through that growing up? Do we see, I see, I see a few hands, and you're, I see hands, and you're wondering, you know, am I not here, am I not present, what's going on? Um, what, what is the problem with our society and our culture, and why do we hold women down so much? See, uh Instead of talking about men and women mm -hmm. as if they're two separate species, mm -hmm. they're not. The feminine and masculine, if you address life in that sense, we must understand that feminine will have a significant role to play. Feminine will find some respect and regard only if we structure a society in a very balanced way. If, as we are structuring our societies everywhere in the world today, that economics is the only important thing in our life. Today, if you say in Nairobi or in Kenya, this is a big man, it does not mean he has a big brain. <laughs> it does not mean he has a huge heart. It does not mean he has something else big. It means he has a big pocket <laughs> Or in other words, our entire consciousness is right now ruled by economics. Mm. Economics means just 
over-glorification of simply, you know, survival process, complicating survival process like never before, to provide something for our well-being, for our comfort, convenience and survival, we have to arrange something. This arrangement is slowly raising to such a pitch as if it belongs to heaven in the world. When economics is the driving force, the role of the feminine will become less and less and less. Only when in our lives, in our societies, there is equal significance for art, music, love, aesthetics and many other subtler aspects of our life, then feminine will have an equal role. Now you structure a society so skewed and you're wondering why feminine doesn't have a role, well it cannot have. Women can succeed today in this world only if they're like men, there is no other way to succeed because they have to become masculine because the social significance or the world's… the significance of human societies has shifted from all other subtleties to one crudeness of economics. Wherever you go today, what is the conversation? Economy, can you beat it? At least they were talking about weather some time ago <laughs> So it's a no-win situation for women. <laughs> no, women will… women may win, but feminine will lose out. Wow. Unless we restructure our societies, giving equal significance to all the subtler aspects of our life, where naturally feminine will become prominent and important in our lives. <laughs> That's powerful. It means we need to restructure society and I'll come later. Our priorities have to change. Yeah, and we have to start with everyone because I'll come to that because that is coming, <laughs> that is yet to come. Back to the family, ladies and gentlemen. If you look at uh, much of our societies in Africa, in Asia and, and all over the world, there is a struggle when it comes and I'll bring us back to, to, to feminine and masculine as in the gender. And we do see the prevalence of, of gender violence, something that we're dealing with uh, a lot. And for instance, even fighting ills such as female genital mutilation and trying to re-educate people, it's a huge issue. Um, within homes, how do we bring up young men who respect and love women? And how do we bring up young women who are confident and demand love and respect? How, how do we do that and break the current balance? It's very important that in childhood, the homes manage this well because it's an early age, if they pick up these things later on, it's very difficult for them to come to terms with this. Mm -hmm. I think that is changing rapidly in this generation. It has changed rapidly in this generation already, I would say, in many ways. Today, uh, it is… it's very common, at least in India, that the girls are doing way better than boys in most of the educational institutions mm -hmm. and a whole lot of parents choose to have girls rather than boys. You know, there's an ulterior motive in this. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> uh, if you have a girl, you just have to take care of till she's maybe eighteen, twenty, twenty-five. Boy means you don't know, he may be on your hands forever. Oh dear, okay. <laughs> Parents want to be done with the project at some time 
project children must be over yes, at yes. some point. <laughs> right, right. So things are changing, I think rapidly, very seriously changing. It is just that the violence within the families is unfortunate. Once again, it is… I would say it is not essentially against women. The violence is not against women. Right now, we have adopted this mentality. There's a whole lot of violence against children, irrespective of their gender. So what this shows is, we are willing to beat up anybody who is little weaker than us. Oh. Not necessarily women, I'm saying. So, this is always misunderstood as this is violence against a particular gender. No, no. If they find anybody little weaker than them, they'll beat them up. We're terrible people. <laughs> no. It comes back to the consciousness and, and that is sad. Yeah, so this is because if you bring up a society, essentially on the identification of your physical form or your body, if I have a stronger body than you, naturally I think I can do things with it, all right? This is why spiritual process is important because spiritual process does not mean looking up or looking down or looking heavenward or something else. Mm -hmm. Spiritual process means your experience of life has touched a dimension beyond physical nature. Once your identification shifts to something beyond your physicality, then your physical dominance is not a significance of any significance to yourself. When it's not of any significance to yourself, you will not try to manifest this in the world as a physical dominance. Mm. It is wanting to dominate. And now because we are identified with the body so much, we will try to dominate physically, which is experienced as violence by somebody else. Mm -hmm. But pushing somebody away and going, that person doesn't think it's violence, he thinks it's his right because he's bigger, of course. So, <laughs> wow. Um, staying within the home, Sadhguru, and the relationship dynamics of the family. In my family, um, I have one daughter and, and I have sons, many sons. See, you're also prejudiced. <laughs> oh, no, no! <laughs> on which side? On which side would you think? Uh -huh. On which side would you think? On the male side. How did you know? So, okay, so in my family… You have four boys. My there we go. But my daughter is very close to her father. Do we have that in many families where the young lady can get anything from daddy, right? And, and my sons are very close to mommy. What happens in society that when they grow up, you would think then that a man always will treasure a woman. And, and you know, I, I think when, when families get it right, it, it doesn't go wrong later. Where do we get it wrong? Because clearly in parenting, there's something going wrong. Oh. <laughs> we must understand this. See, this is… that's why I said this is not against a particular gender. Mm -hmm. Well, a man wants a woman, all right. It's not that he's against her. Mm. Man-woman relationship is one relationship where there is too much overlap. You have to share everything from your bedroom to bathroom to including your bodies, <laughs> all right? Too much overlap. Even bank accounts, <laughs> yes. 
I wouldn't get into that. <laughs> See, going back to economics <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, because there is so much overlap, there is more room for conflict. It… it needs to be… it is a beautiful overlap only when there is an atmosphere of love. Once that's gone, when it's a transaction, this level of overlap is not healthy for a transaction. Transaction is good like this. This much overlap and so many things to transact on a daily basis, it is bound to cause friction. Only when there is a certain sense of love and devotion involved in this, then it… with that lubrication, all this friction will go on without much out… you know, manifestation of friction. Because the love dominates, yes. the love takes the space. So, today when uh, we are thinking of marriages and relationships with an expiry date in our mind… <laughs> Do we? A whole lot of people are unfortunately, the world is coming to that. There was a time when people were anyway committed, when that commitment was there, things came up, problems happened, they fought, again tomorrow they were close and things went on. Okay, today morning quarreling, evening fine, night full of love and morning again quarrel, <laughs> things were going on, <laughs> I'm saying. Because there is such a serious overlap of two lives and there will be bound to be areas of friction. If your… every family comes up with their own devices of handling this friction, and some people fail to come up with devices because there is not enough commitment. If it was very clear to you, hell or high water, you got to be with the same person, mm. then you would find ways to fix it. Right. Now you think if it doesn't work, she's finished. <laughs> when this is there, you're unwilling to find ways because between any two human beings, if there is so much overlap, if we are not committed, then being together is difficult. Every small thing flares up into a big thing. Smallest things will blow up into a place where today of course it leads you to divorce or whatever. This is because there is no long-term commitment because we think there's always another option. Is it good, is it bad? It's not for me to say that, but I'm just exploring the problem <laughs> It's a big problem and I am focusing on family because really I, I believe it is the… it plays a pivotal role in society. And looking at the society we're living in and the children that we're bringing up, it's so dynamic. If they're looking for positive information out there, they will find what they're looking for. If they're looking for negative information, they'll find it. It's easily accessible. Um, this highly digital world we're living in. What are the key things that you would say we need to teach this young generation to keep them firmly grounded? Hello to all the people in the upper regions <laughs> See, when a child enters your life, it's like a bundle of joy which has entered your life, with a lot of pain of course, with a lot of pain involved in bringing yes, forth. Yes, <laughs> I can attest to that, the women can attest to that. Yeah. Uh, but when the child came, things that you would have never done in your life, you start doing. You can't sing if for nuts even in your bathroom, suddenly you start singing. 
you can't even bend down and pick up something. You can't touch your toes, but you crawl under the sofa along with your child. You know, you go under the furniture with him or her. Like this, many things. You sing, you dance, you play, you for moments at least, if not for good, for moments at least you forgot the concrete block that you have become and you became life once again, all right? But somehow all the adults believe they have to teach something as soon as a child comes. So this is… people ask me, Sadhguru, what is your sadhana? You did not read scriptures, you did not go to a teacher, you did not learn anything, but you seem to know everything, how is it? I tell them, this is the only thing that I did in my life is, I made sure that I am not influenced by anybody around me, whether it's my parents or the culture around me or the teachers or every adult around, because every adult around you is trying to teach you something that's not worked in their life. Oh my goodness! <laughs> when I say something that's not worked in their life, between you and your child, if you look at it, who is more joyful? Your child. I'm asking who should be a consultant for life <laughs> One who knows how to be joyful for no reason, he should be a consultant or one, even if everything is working your way, you carry a grave face and walk around the world, you should be a consultant for life, you must decide. So if a child comes into your life, it's not time to teach, it's time to learn. Once again, you could reinvent your life, you could learn what it means to be alive. Instead of learning what it means to be alive, People are carrying grave faces and going around. <laughs> grave is… grave will anyway come, you don't have to practice it on your <laughs> face. I was… I was speaking at the… you know, just a, about four weeks ago, I was speaking at the Stanford Medical University. Mm -hmm. I just looked around, there's many doctors who are sitting there, all… <laughs> many of them. <laughs> I said, see, when you walk into your patient's room, Grave is one thing that you should not remind them of. <laughs> They're going… they might be getting there, so… <laughs> somebody not well in a hospital, you don't remind them of grave. It's very important that the doctor walks in with a different sense of vitality and life about him. So similarly, a child has come into your life means it's time for to live it up, once again to become fully alive, whatever your age. Your aliveness need not come down, isn't it? Our physical agility may come down with age, but why should your aliveness come down? If aliveness is coming down, it means you're committing suicide in installments. <laughs> That's what it means, <laughs> yes or no? Hello? <laughs> I'm talking to you, hello <laughs> Wow, that's powerful. So, <laughs> so children have come, time to understand how to make something out of nothing. That's what a child is. You leave him anywhere, he finds an ant and he finds it interesting enough to make a universe out of an ant. We've given you a bloody universe and you're making nothing out of it. <laughs>
everything you have today, compared to any other generation on this planet, you know more comforts and conveniences than any other generation ever before, isn't it so? Yes. But <laughs> why? <laughs> why means uh, because uh, traffic, Sadhguru, oh, traffic. <laughs> well, you're sitting in your dream car, aren't you? <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs> traffic is helping you to stay in your dream for some more time. <laughs> What you've just told us is stop trying to teach your children and start learning from them, start living. We're such a complaining generation of people. Oh, we are the most whining generation on the planet, <laughs> ever. You come to Kenya at a time when we have anti-something demonstrations, then we have anti-demonstration demonstrations, then we have anti-demonstration demonstration demonstrations. And, and you know, the ordinary Kenyan is caught in the middle of it wondering what's going on. So I must talk about political leadership for a moment, if you will allow me. Can we? Yes. For a moment? Yes. Sadhguru, what's wrong with our politicians? And so many... I'm, I'm just... the most basic question, right? In so many of our countries, and I think in many ways India is similar to Kenya, very vibrant countries you know, alive and, and brimming with opportunity. We know what we must do, and we just never seem to be doing what we know that we must do. Why? Why? What's, what's wrong? See, uh, I'm not saying many nations around the world, I'm not saying the best of men have reached leadership. No, it's not true. We have chosen a democratic system largely in the world. What this means is, uh, in, in Tamil language, democracy is translated as Jananayakam. This means people are the leaders, that's what it means. This means one among you, if you're willing to go through the works, you could become a leader, that's what it means. Oh, come on Sadhguru, where do I have a chance? Well, that's what it means that one among you, if you understand the system and you're willing to go through the works that it takes to get there, you could get there. Well, right now India has set a huge example like this. A boy who was selling tea in a railway station is our prime minister today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bowing down to the man, I'm not made like that, but I'm bowing down to this possibility a boy who was selling tea in the railway station, he could even aspire to become a prime minister of such a large nation, which is a tremendous thing, never before possible in the history of this humanity, isn't it so? Yes. Never before such things were possible. So that's what democracy means. But are we actively making use of it? That's another thing. Most people, I don't know how you are in Kenya, I don't have the numbers, but I'm sure more than sixty percent of you or more than forty percent of you don't even go out and vote. Yes? 
So, that is just one day in five years. Even that you can't do. But democracy does not mean just casting your vote. Democracy means there are many instruments in the system that every day you are supposed to exercise. You are supposed to rule. You have appointed somebody to do the job, but you are supposed to rule. But you think it's his job to do. Well, he is doing it the way he knows it. You must be okay with it, you shouldn't complain. When you're unwilling to take responsibility for your own well-being and the well-being of your society and your nation, you shouldn't complain, isn't it? Because you're only sitting down for dole outs. This is what you get. A beggar shouldn't complain, isn't it? <laughs> you are not behaving like a leader, you are not behaving like a Jananayaka, a leader, a people being leader. People are not behaving like leaders, are they? They're behaving like beggars. When you behave like beggars, you should not complain. You can crib in your corner, but you cannot complain <laughs> because you have no right to complain because you are not exercising the instruments of democracy as you should. About… like in India we have a saying, you only get the kind of leadership that you deserve. For in many ways we've been indolent, we've been sitting back and… You know, in India this is a thing, I'm sure in Kenya also, if you go to a tea shop anywhere, India is full of tea shops, okay? If you go to your tea shop, the guy who's selling tea, making probably fifty hundred cups of tea in a day, that's his job, he will tell you how prime minister should function. Mm. <laughs> and he knows. He, he and knows. he has yes. Yeah, no, no, he knows. Yes. And he not only knows that if you know some cricket, I know yes. you know. <laughs> he will tell how uh, the Tindulkar, whoever, how he doesn't know the batting technique, how he should bat, <laughs> all right? He will… he will… has advice for everybody. Only problem is he doesn't know how to make good tea <laughs> This is a serious problem. Everybody knows how somebody else should do their job, but they don't know how to do theirs <laughs> So in a democracy, though all of us are responsible for the nation, the first and foremost thing for us to do is, whatever we are supposed to do, we are supposed to do it really well, not just for my well-being, but constantly being conscious that this is for the well-being of my nation and my world. If this is not there, there is no democracy. There is only feudalism. You are a feudalist essentially, I'm saying most people are feudalists. Only thing is they don't have a following <laughs> And the moment, even when it comes to voting, this has happened in every nation, most people are voting in a committed way because of their religion, or community, or caste, or creed, or party lines, they're committed votes. If you go to United States of America, Republican, Democratic looks like two different religions and it's committed, they have two different gods. <coughs> A committed vote means democracy is ruined. Mm. Democracy can only happen if there is a considered vote. Every time it is a considered vote,
if you vote for somebody, who your family votes for, you should not even know. That's what a secret ballot means. Now, if all of you decide together and go and vote to one person, that means there is no democracy, feudalism in the guise of democracy. I think you're starting to untap what's going on here. <laughs> it's really, really fascinating. I want to take it a little bit deeper in. And you know what's interesting, Seth Guru, is that in Kenya, a lot of people do vote, right? We have very Not high… Uh, interestingly enough, we have high voter How much? Turnout. Sixty, seventy percent? Above, what voting? actually. I, I would… yes, it's… seventy-five percent, yes. Which is possibly in the, in the world is one of the most One seventy-five percent of the people start voting. Mm -hmm. This means you will get the leader that you want. This is what changed in India. Our voting percentages, percentages were just hovering around fifty. The moment it lead, led to over seventy percent voting, I think we are getting leaders that we want slowly. So, so the problem <laughs> we still have, and I want your comment on this please, Sathguru, is the fact that for us, the vote almost has become so important that the next person's rights become irrelevant. And what I want and how I want it, hakiyatu, isn't it? But not hakiyako. Hakiyatu is my rights, but we don't say your rights too. We almost feel like we, you know, we, are, we can trample on your rights to get ours. What do we do in a society like this? How do we re rebalance? See, uh, I know when people spoke about civil rights, they spoke about it in an extreme condition of uh, apartheid or mm. in an extreme condition of injustice that was happening, that's a different thing. But in any society, the moment you talk about your rights, the moment you talk about your freedom, I think you're heading for ruin anyway. Because you have freedom only to the extent you're responsible. Instead of talking about what is my responsibility in making this happen, if you think what is my right, all you're seeing is how to milk your society or your nation to your benefit. It's not going to work. It, then once we start milking, there will be somebody else who is capable of milking it better than you. When he milks it better than you, you say, oh, he's doing wrong things. No, no, he's doing it better than you, that's how. <laughs> so, my essential work in the last twenty years has been with leadership, various levels of leadership, business leadership, bureaucratic leadership and social leadership and political leadership. My work has been largely to move people from their personal ambitions to a larger vision. Because what ambition means is, you have tweaked up your desire, but you have not tweaked up your competence. You don't have to worry about tweaking your desire. Human beings should only focus on tweaking their competence. But right from their childhood, I don't know what you're telling your children, right from their childhood in every family, they're telling them, you must become this, you must become that. No, you must only see how a child is empowered by competence and knowledge and capability. When this capability is there, he will do whatever is needed. No, no, I've already decided this is what I will do. Nobody needs it, it doesn't matter. 
this is what I will do. So right now, <laughs> I was just joking with them, you know, we are, we are running crematoriums in India because I saw that they were in such a bad shape. So we took that up, it's an important service when… because everybody dies one day and the way it happens there is so clumsy. So I thought, I'll take this most unpopular thing. They said, Sadhguru, why have you taken this? This is not good, this is very negative. So I said, see, if you go like this, I'm going to brand it. Isha crematoriums, everybody is a customer <laughs> Did they then stop bothering you? <laughs> See, we have decided what is better than something. Once you do this, I must tell you this, when my girl was growing up, she traveled with me wherever I went and even as an infant. One thing I told everybody is don't anybody try to teach her anything. No ABC, no one, two, three, no languages, no what is right, what is wrong, don't teach her anything. Just leave her alone. I made sure she was exposed to every kind of people. I stayed in the poorest of homes, you know, in tribal uh, huts. I stayed in the best possible homes in the world all kinds of things which gave her a sense of balance about people even today. Anywhere you put her, she's just comfortable with so much ease with any class of society, mm -hmm. she managed. And I made sure nobody teaches her anything. So when she was around thirteen years of age, she came up to me and she was emotionally disturbed about something. So she came up to me and said, you're teaching everybody something, not telling me anything. I, I wanted that moment to come <laughs> I didn't want to be a teacher to her. So I said, see, this is all you have to learn, this is all. Never look up to anybody. She looked at me, I said, even me. Never look up to anybody, never look down on anybody, this is all. Once you don't look up to anything, not look down on anything, you will see everything the way it is. When you see everything the way it is, you will navigate through this life effortlessly. The moment… the moment you look up to something, you will exaggerate it. When you look down on something, you'll exaggerate the negative about it. If you don't look up or look down, you will see everything just the way it is and that's all that's needed. For every solution, for every problem that is there, to find solutions, all that is necessary is we are able to see it just the way it is. But right now, we are thinking our problem is of our politicians. No, no, that politician was just one of us yesterday. Today, he's taken the trouble of getting there. You sat in the comfort of your home and commenting endlessly. <laughs> You're a running commentary about everything. Right. <laughs> But making bad tea, yeah. <laughs> true, true. So um, I'm bringing us back for a moment to family, Sadhguru, and one of the things happening in Kenya with much of our young society is that we have a lot of single families. Do, how, how many single parent families, how many people are aware of this happening in society today? A lot of women are left with the burden of bringing up children and struggling through and, and it's really very sad. And I remember, I'm looking back at when I first got married and you know, um, you get very few lessons 
on marriage. You kind of get in and you have to kind of figure it out, right? Um, and, and in many ways, it took some time to understand that exactly what you've told us, when you know unconditional love comes from your partner, everything is solvable. And so you put that first and you build up and you build up. A lot of young families seem to be going in without the tools to get through those really difficult, uh, tough times. Sometimes they don't even get to the point of, of marriage and family. What advice would you give young people courting or young people in a situation where they feel alone and abandoned and they're wondering, what's gone wrong? How do I get it right the next time, maybe? Oh. <laughs> Love is important, right? Uh, yes. A lot of young people are watching this, so I'm just <laughs> thinking because they're having, uh, you know, 11 love affairs right now oh, no. on the Facebook. Okay. On Facebook? <laughs> yeah. They're trying parallelly 11 different love affairs, hoping one of them will fall into place. We need to understand that certain… certain things don't get better with practice. <laughs> wow. It is… it is when men and women came together in marriage. I'm talking about another time, not to the current population, I'm talking about another time, all the oldies were here. When men and women came together in marriage, they knew nothing about anything about each other. Even looking at a woman directly was a taboo and now for the first time they looked at this woman, everything was new and fresh. There was so much excitement, there was so much coming together, there was so much exploration and discovery. Though for millions of years people have done the same damn thing, <laughs> still for that individual everything was fresh and new and it was shared just between the two of them and all this stuff. This made it last. Now, before you come to marriage, you've seen too much of life. And you… in your mind, you're comparing one and the other. Now, long-term commitment becomes difficult. People come together either out of helplessness or greed most of the time because there are… it's a mutual benefit scheme. Back to… back to the economics of it, <laughs> Yes. No, not just economics, mm -hmm. there are needs in a human being. Mm -hmm. There is a physical need, there is a psychological need, there's an emotional need, social needs, economic needs, all kinds of needs. To fulfill these needs, you make a deal. If you live with a deal, it's invariably going to be ugly. Deals are made and pick up what you want and go home, then it's okay. What do you say? <laughs> you make a deal, you make your money and go home to a place which means something to you. When you're making deals at home, then it becomes ugly because there's no place to go or you'll find a place to go. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to come to you in just a, sh a moment because we do want to take your questions for Seth Guru as well. Um, I must ask you, this is your first trip to Africa? No, no, I've been. Oh, it, it, it's, oh, you've been before? Yes, I've been in Kenya for three weeks at one oh, time. Oh, what do you think of the country? Oh, I… it was fantastic because I only met your animals <laughs> <laughs>
That's terrible. They say we are the warmest people in the no, world. No, no, I'm not… Say. I'm not saying people are terrible. I said I met only the animals and it was fantastic. This time I've come to meet the people <laughs> well I'm not on a safari this time. Well done, well done. I'm looking at um, hands now for questions for Seth Guru. Can I see any? I know your hands will be up later. I see there's one there. Great, a lady over there and if you could run across with a mic. As we're getting the mic, there I see people and scrambling. This is a very it. bad level of prejudice. Yes. This young man raised his hand. Oh fast, no, where but are you? you where are you? Pick up the lady. I didn't see you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's I promise right. you that you are next. <laughs> I promise that you're next. Ah <laughs> oh, yes, I see hands. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. And the mic is the mics are coming down. Excellent. Wonderful. I want I want to get as many questions for him. I know people have come far and wide to ask. So thank you. We'll start then with the gentleman since. No, no, you, the lady can ask, it's fine. I just… Oh, I, she's got it. I'm Excellent. just pointing out to you. Okay, we've got it, we've got it. <laughs> Thank you, go ahead, go ahead. Namaskaram Sadhguru, my name is Riya Sharma and I had the privilege to interview you on behalf of East FM. Oh! <laughs> yes, so I'm indeed very honoured, very humbled to be in your presence this evening. My question um, is about yoga and of course, ahead of International Day, we're very privileged to have you here in Nairobi. My question is about um, the benefits of yoga, which everybody talks about. And, you know, everybody knows that yoga has great benefits for the inner well-being as well as the external. However, in Nairobi, with all due respect to certain people who are in the craft, I notice that housewives overnight turn into yoga gurus because they watch some DVDs, they watch a few programs on TV and then decide to start teaching yoga. Oh, really? Yes, and um, that is, of course, a big concern because people do understand the benefits of yoga, but they don't understand that if you're going to be training under somebody who's not quite qualified in the craft, what are the disadvantages? So I'd possibly please request you to highlight what the disadvantages of practicing with, I'm sorry, the term may sound harsh, but a quack yoga teacher would be. Thank so you. So harsh. I just have yes. so hard. Go ahead. Go ahead. They're all ladies, she said. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me let me clear this a little bit because one thing is, as you said, yoga is not a craft. As there is a science and technology to create external well-being. There is an understanding of external situations which we call a science and a technology or a methodology through which we can create external well-being. Right now, this hall is… you know, we are controlling the climate with conditioning. Outside climates can be controlled like this. What about the inner climate? So the technology to create the inner climate, to create the inner ambience, of who we are is yoga, it's a science and a technology at the same time. There's an exploration and there's a method. The dangers of not doing it properly are many, I don't want to explore that now, so close to the International Day of Yoga and put off people <laughs> uh, 
but we must understand, when we say yoga, however innocuous it may look, whatever the practice that is being taught, it always has a spiritual dimension attached to it. I don't know if… it's okay if I tell you my own story? Please, please, that's how, why we are here. How I got into the yoga for wrong reasons. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Please. This happened when I was just twelve years of age. I was in my ancestral home, my grandfather's place. This is a place where all the kids have assembled from many cities for our vacation time. Mm -hmm. So one of the sport for the boys is to jump into a well which is about eight feet in diameter and about hundred and fifty feet in depth because we always went there in summers, the water is down by about sixty feet drop or seventy feet drop in that range. So we want to jump in, you have to jump in properly. If you go somehow, your brains will become a smear on the wall <laughs> And there is no steps or grip or anything, just holding the rock, you want to come up. It was hard and just the sheer pressure of it would make my fingers all my fingernails bleed mm. because all my weight is at the tip of my fingers. And I was pretty good at this. One day we are doing this and a man who was over seventy years of age was watching us. Of course we ignored him, he was too old to be alive in our experience of life <laughs> Not now, I'm saying at that time <laughs> When I thought even twenty is too old. So this man, without uttering a word, went and jumped into the well. I thought he's finished. <laughs> but he came up faster than me and I didn't like it. <laughs> so I asked him how. He said, come and do yoga. I followed him like a puppy. So I'm saying, I got into it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. but. Somehow this became so much a part of me, I did not even think of doing it, but not a single morning ever passed without yoga happening. I'm using the word yoga happening because when I look back and see, I never made up my mind I must do this. It simply took me over from inside and things happened like this. And uh, twelve years later, something so phenomenal happened to me that everything changed. Why I'm saying this is, the nature of this existence is such, even for the wrong reasons, if you do the right things, right things will happen to you. Mm. That's how world is made, that's how the creation is made. So, <clears throat> doing it right is very important because there are many dimensions attached to it. I went into yoga only for physical prowess. After I got into it, I came to know there were other aspects to it which were psychological or mental. So physical and mental prowess, this is all my thing. I never imagined nor did I ever know there's another dimension to it altogether. But there is always that dimension to it. So when we transmit yoga, there is a spiritual element to it. This is the reason, for example, now for this International Yoga Day, when we teach, the Isha Foundation does not teach yoga in such a large scale ever. 
we teach what is called as Upa Yoga. The word Upa Yoga literally means either sub-yoga or pre-yoga. But in Indian languages, today the word Upa Yoga is being used as something useful. But actually the word originates from this that we made yoga in such a way, we took out that aspect of yoga which has physiological and psychological benefits but no spiritual element to it. When we are transmitting soul such a large scale, it's best to do it that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, now that she mentioned this and you are interested in children with your mm -hmm. footprint, yeah. about four months ago it came to my notice that a little over nine thousand children committed suicide in India below eighteen years of age. In the age groups of ten to fourteen, seventeen hundred children committed suicide in the last one year. When I heard this, see, no life does not value its own life. You try to catch an ant, it will do everything possible to save its own life. It does not think, ah, this is just an ant's life, let it go. There's no such thing. Every life intrinsically values itself as the highest thing, isn't mm. it? But a child, a child is an exuberant life. A child is a bundle of joy. A child is a fresh life. Mm. If a child wants to take his own life or her own life, then we are doing something fundamentally wrong with our lives, isn't it? Something very fundamentally wrong in a society, if children start committing suicide, I want all of you to look at it this way, it's not like statistics, nine thousand whatever is not a number. Suppose in our lives, our children in our home committed suicide below fourteen years of age, can you ever overcome that, I'm asking? If they died of disease or accident or something, that itself is difficult but somehow we will come out of that. But if they commit… if they took their own life, we clearly, clearly know we've done something fundamentally wrong, isn't it? So we should know we're doing something fundamentally wrong in a society when children start taking their own lives. So when I heard this, it was deeply disturbing. Why are our children killing themselves? Then I said, after cuff, I said, we must touch at least ten thousand schools and bring Upa Yoga to their life. And that day ten thousand looked like a big number. Mm. Then I traveled these nine states and met all the chief ministers and the education ministers and things like that. All of them responded with such enthusiasm. For this yoga day, in the next two months, we are initiating Upa Yoga in over thirty thousand schools and the significant aspect of this is we are not training the children, we are training the teacher. We… our own teachers, we have trained forty-five thousand six hundred teachers. These teachers are imparting this to the school teachers. In every school, two to three teachers are being trained. Above all, we made an elaborate video for a twenty-minute practice, we made an elaborate video about showing how it should happen. So these newly trained teachers will only correct the practice, they will not literally teach the practice. All they have to do is, they have to correct. We train them for a day to understand what are all the wrong things that people can do mm -hmm. and correction. 
And these children will go through this just not for one day, five days of the week through the entire year, probably for the entire school time, this will go on. And we are trying to also involve parents wherever we can. Teaching yoga irresponsibly, if you… right now, this is the most important need, that is… See, in terms of external technologies, we've hit the ceiling, all right? Whether you buy your iPhone Z8 or not, that's the next model coming up <laughs> You still don't know how to use your iPhone 4 fully <laughs> That's a fact, believe me. You still not explored the full range of things that damn thing can do, yes or no? It's too many you're things. Right, so whether the next level of phone comes or computer comes is not the issue. Upgrading human beings is the most important thing that needs to happen in the world. So in this effort, this International Yoga Day IC has been a phenomenal step, moted by our Prime Minister, but United Nations took this up. So these things that we have, if I can elaborate on this a bit, See, human intellect is sparking like never before. Never before in the history of humanity, this many people could think for themselves, yes? Now once this happens, logical questions arise. Once logical questions arise, so many things which were taken for granted, which kept people in some kind of control within themselves, if not liberated, at least controlled within themselves is all going to collapse. Heavenly solutions will collapse, believe me. No, I'm not talking about you guys up there <laughs> That's quite safe <laughs> When people start asking questions, heavens will crumble. It's bound to happen. If you don't pull it down, your children will, believe me. Things that you believe, your children refuse to believe, yes or no? Because Unless it makes logical sense to them, they're not going to take it. Whatever the authority, you can say the scripture says this, you can say God said this, you can say somebody said this, they're not going to take it unless it makes sense to them. This is a very positive development in the world because this means truth will be our authority. Authority will never be the truth. This is the future of the world <laughs> So. This International Yoga Day is at just at the right time and when the Prime Minister mooted this idea, as it was… as she was saying, 177 countries came together, it was almost like the world was waiting for it. It was waiting for India to take a step, but we took such a long time because you know we are a little large nation, we take time <laughs> to take steps <laughs> But it was almost like the entire world was waiting for somebody to say this because everybody knows, if they may not have consciously addressed it, but everybody knows tools for self-transformation are needed. And tools for self-transformation should not be in the hands of a guru or an organization or some other higher authority somewhere, no. Tools for self-transformation should be in the hands of every individual. I'm asking you a simple question, don't feel offended. Do you know all of you brush your teeth today? <laughs> Hello? Yes. yes. 
this is because you have your own brush, the instrument necessary for cleaning your oral hygiene to take care of that, you have it. Suppose it was in the hands of the Kenyan government <laughs> they fixed up in hundred different places in Nairobi, you can go and have your teeth brushed. <laughs> Probably you would do it once a month, yes or no? Because you have to stand in a line to have your teeth cleaned up. Only because it's in your hands, as it's necessary, you will take care of it, isn't it? Similarly, tools for transformation, which are logically correct, scientifically ascertainable, these kind of tools for transformation, which does not demand any philosophical adherence, which does not be, uh, demand belief system, which does not come from any authority, but from your own understanding of your system, this is needed for the world. The time is very ripe because human intellect is sparking like never before. You can't bring our so-called well-being by telling them a philosophy. It's not going to work. It's already not working. Because it's not working, you see a rapid movement of people seeking chemical solutions. To be peaceful means have a drink in the evening, it's become a norm. I'm asking all of you, whatever your age, in the last twenty-five years, don't you see at least a five-hundred percent increase in the consumption of alcohol and drugs and psychiatric prescriptions? This means we are moving towards madness. Yes. See, for example, a maximum period or a longest period of economic well-being compared to any other society in the world. But today, thirty-nine percent of the European population is under psychiatric prescription medi medication. Three hundred and fifty million people year on year, they are consuming prescription medications for psychiatric problems. So with economic well-being, there is no guarantee that you will get human well-being. If human… if economic well-being has to translate into human well-being, you need tools for transformation within every individual because the possibility of economic well-being taking us to ruin is very much glaring in our face. In pursuit of human well-being, we've ripped the planet apart, isn't it? Just today afternoon they were telling me, that only seven percent of Kenya is under forest cover. Oh my God, I'm… believe me, everybody in the world believe Kenya means ninety percent forest and Nairobi <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that is the image everybody has, but they told me seven percent, that is… that is horrific, I'm telling you. It's not a simple tragedy. You don't know what is the kind of disaster that… disaster that can evolve out of seven percent green cover in any nation? In a continent which everybody believes is full of jungles, full of nature, full of wildlife, everybody believes this. If only seven percent under green cover, that's tragic. Even India is better than this. With the kind of population pressure we have, even the percentages of green cover in India is way better than this. So when we go like this, we must understand
For a long time we looked up in search of well-being. People became delusional and my delusion and your delusion fought battles and wars and still going on. Many people can't give it up yet. Mm. Yes? Now from heaven we shifted our focus to get our well-being from outside. Once our uh, focus shifted to the outside world, we started ripping it. Don't think there is some other reason. It is all in pursuit of human well-being, isn't it? Everything we have done is in pursuit of human well-being. But in the last hundred years, though we have ripped the planet bald, not because of age, simply because we plucked it out, have we achieved well-being, I'm asking you? They are telling me the world food industry is 7.6 trillion dollars. The pharmaceutical industry is 7.2 trillion dollars. And the, by the end of 2017, they say pharmaceutical industry will be bigger than the food industry. That means we are eating more medicine than food. We can't claim we are well. It's so frightening. You know, I thought the big question I'd be asking as we close was, how do we stop talking at each other and start speaking to each other? But now I've seen there are so many other levels of things that we need to do. We're going to come back to that, but first I'll go to the young man now. I think you've got the mic, do you? It will come to you in a moment. It's just behind you. Please go ahead. Are we a bit frightened after that insight? Wow. Hello. Hi. Uh, good evening, sir. My name is Jimmy. And I have two questions. Uh, basically, I don't know much I, about… I'm a simple guy, ask one at a time <laughs> <laughs> So I'll shoot over with the first one. Um, um, you know so much about the universe. I've seen a lot of your videos on YouTube. And uh, you have talked about geometry and I saw that uh, video. The largest uh, telescope on Earth is not able to get a picture of the nearby galaxy. It's so far. So I wanted to ask you, why did God uh, make things which are not even uh, visible uh, to human beings or we are not able to travel there? That's a tough one. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, that is a clear message to you that the universe was not made for you. Wow. <laughs> not just other galaxies. Maximum amount of life on this planet itself, mm. you are incapable of even seeing it. Yes, mm. because maximum amount of life on this planet is microscopic actually. Yes? Do you know, just on your facial skin, there are eighteen billion bacteria right now crawling around <laughs> Really? Aren't you glad you don't see it? <laughs> <laughs> so this idea, this idea that <clears throat> existence is human-centric has caused the maximum amount of damage. Mm. We believing that this creation were made for me mm. to enjoy this, to exploit this. Our science as we know it is just this, how to use everything in the universe for our well-being. Well, we have learned how to use even an invisible atom. Do you know, nobody has seen an atom even in, in an electron microscope? Nobody has seen it, but we know how to use it. 
we know how to make a bomb out of it <laughs> So, we have learned to use everything including human beings, but we have not come to well-being, isn't it? All this aspiration only in pursuit of well-being, but well-being has not happened because you must understand, human experience is generated from within you. Whether it's joy or misery, it happens from within you. Agony or ecstasy happens from within you. Everything that you ever know happens from within you. Everything that you ever experienced happens from within you. At least what is happening from within you must happen the way you want it, isn't it? <laughs> right now we are talking too much about the world not happening your way. Mm. I am glad the world is not happening your way <laughs> because if the world happens your way, where do I go? <laughs> the world is like this, it happens little bit my way, little bit your way, little bit somebody else's way, it's all right. But right now the biggest problem is this one is not happening your way, that is the big problem isn't it? If this one, yourself, if you happen hundred percent the way you want yourself to be, would you keep yourself blissful or miserable? The upper regions must tell me. Blissful or miserable? You must… everybody must say something, I'm going to bless you right now <laughs> Blissful. Blissful, This… your choice for yourself is very clear that you want highest level of pleasantness. What you want for your neighbor may be debatable, but what you want for yourself is very clear to you. But why is it not happening? Mm. Simply because it's not in the direction which you're looking, that's all. Instead of turning inward, you're trying to fix your happiness by fixing the world. Mm. Fix it as much as you want. This will not get fixed. Mm. If this wants to… has to be fixed, this has to turn inward. This is what yoga means. Tools for transformation means transforming yourself, not fixing somebody else. Mm. A revolution… you know, like at one time, we said <laughs> for Isha, this is what it used to be. Uh, welcome to the silent revolution of self-realization. People's idea of a revolution is I want you to change. I want you to change is the source of all the problem <laughs> on the planet, isn't it? I am willing to change. This is a revolution. If you say, I am willing to change right. in your home, in your workplace, in your society, in your country, you say, I am willing to change for what needs to happen. Now this is a revolution and it's a silent revolution. You don't have to slaughter anybody, you don't have to set fire to something, you don't have to burn down things, you don't have to pull down people. Change will happen as everything happens in nature and in existence. All the most fantastic changes that happen in, cre in creation are happening quietly, isn't it? Mm. Yes? Though they talked about a big bang, you never had the bang <laughs> It happened quietly, everything, flowers blossom quietly, you're born, such a big happening. Even that happened quietly, though your mother might have screamed a bit, <laughs> but it happened quietly. But everything significant, the planet is spinning quietly, sun is coming up quietly, isn't it? Everything that's of greatest significance in the universe is happening quietly. 
Self-transformation also happens that way. Only thing is it needs to be focused in the right direction. Right now we want to fix everybody and everything around us. We don't want to transform this, but the world… people are talking about world peace, world transformation, there is no world, there is only you and me, isn't it? If you and me change, the world has changed. You know, that's such a powerful message, stop pointing at everybody else and point within, start within, transform within. Now immediately the Indians may think, Sadhguru, where should I go? You also come from that part, you, at least your father <laughs> does. <laughs> you, should I go to Himalaya, should I go and stay in a cave? For your information, all caves are taken long time ago <laughs> There is no cave accommodation left, so you don't have to go to any cave. You have to turn inward because whether you go to Himalayas or drown in the ocean, you're still the same person, isn't it? Do it where you are, start where you are. Oh, you can start it wherever you are, <laughs> not where you are because again they will think, Sadhguru, I was not in Nairobi so I didn't do my yoga. <laughs> start wherever you are, it's just doesn't matter. I'm going to apologize to you because I see there were hands up and there, I'm sure there are hands on this side so I'm going to ask for the mic to come this way. I'm going to ask for another mic to head upstairs. Yes, there's one there. The lady in pink, please. And here, yes, I see a hand at the back and one at the front. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. I find you highly prejudiced. Oh no! You, you what did I miss you this time? A, you choose a lady and also pink. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you look so vibrant from here, honestly, so beautiful. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, with lots of respect, I'd like to ask, I loved your topic future of the family life. Mm -hmm. And very beginning you, you changed it, it wasn't anything to do with the woman, it was to do with the feminine. And you acknowledged the hardships women take in showing their masculine side. I would love to hear a little bit more about what you meant future of the feminine because when men behave slightly feminine, we discriminate them, mm -hmm. we call them gay. There's lots of things I think that we need to learn from you about what is masculine and what is feminine. Nothing to do with the gender. Let's come back to that. And I, and I have heard you speak about that before in, in different engagements. And it is true that when a man embraces uh, the feminine inside him, he's attacked for it. Um, <laughs> it, it almost, yes, yeah, so it's, it's a difficult situation, you know? So let's, let's talk a little bit more about that. Let's explore no. that. When a man expresses the feminine in him, people admire him hugely. If he acts like a female, then they make fun of him. <laughs> Let's understand this clearly. Because we are tending to mistake feminine and female. Okay. We are here today. You and me and everybody else is here today. Mm -hmm. We exist because a man and woman came together. Maybe some, I'm, if you had a natural birth, I'm saying. <laughs> Suppose a stoke dropped you, I don't know about you. <laughs> I am a natural, my mother had a natural birth, so we are here because a man and woman came together. Mm -hmm. Now that you're sitting here as a woman, mm -hmm. 
does it mean to say that your father does not exist within you? No. He's an Indian guy, you can't obliterate him so easily. <laughs> no, I definitely… Very much there yeah. within you, isn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Now that I'm sitting here as a man, does it mean to say my mother doesn't exist within me? Definitely she does, isn't it? Mm. So, just thinking, getting identified with a few reproductive organs and making a big affair of being a man or a woman has to stop. This is coming from a certain crudeness of existence mm. because people's minds have been corrupted by… Uh, by philosophies and ideologies, we told you what is pure, what is impure, what is okay, what is not okay, what is good, what is not good. So they're only thinking about certain body parts. Why is it even important to recognize somebody as a man or a woman? Why is it necessary? Why can't you just look at a human being as a human being? Why body parts are so important? If body parts are so important, at least choose the brain, huh? <laughs> Why are you so… such a fetishist, what is there in somebody's pants, what's your problem? <laughs> what is our problem? This is… these what, things… What the these problem? things matter only in two places, in bedrooms and bathrooms. Nowhere else should it matter who's got what in their clothes, okay? Yes or no? So, yes, but what then is the This problem? is because of very tremendous religious teachings that have happened in the world, which cannot even accept the simple biology of a human being. You understand? They cannot come to terms with the simple biology of who we are. This is not a bloody secret. It is just that we want to conduct ourselves in a certain way, that's all. You think what is under your clothes is a secret? It's not a bloody secret. It is just that out of our culture and civilization, we learn to handle our body in a certain way, that's all. But somebody said, this is right, this is wrong, this is evil, that is okay. See, the nature of the mind is such. Shall we do an experiment with all of you? Yes. Next ten seconds, nobody should think of a monkey. Why? You can't keep the monkeys out for ten seconds? <laughs> now, now they told you, this is good, this is bad, don't think about bad things. Well, that's a full-time job <laughs> Otherwise, you know, Africa is just out of its tribal life, unfortunately. In tribal societies, people lived without paying any attention to anybody's body parts, isn't it? When at a certain moment something was on, it was on, otherwise rest of the time nobody cared about the body parts. Now we say we are civilized, but people's minds are full of body parts, only certain body parts. And so we think man, woman, man, woman all the time. Stop this nonsense. It's time you looked at human beings as human beings. Only for certain type of activity, who is a man, who is a woman becomes relevant. Rest of the time it has no relevance, isn't it? So coming to the feminine, mm -hmm. when we say feminine, we are not referring to the female in any sense. Mm -hmm. There are only few things 
which are compulsorily feminine about a woman. Rest of the things are wide open for her to make it whichever way she wants. Mm -hmm. Similarly, it's only a few things which are compulsorily masculine about a man. Rest of the things are wide open for him to make it whichever way he wants. Being… activating my feminine does not mean I have to act pansy. <laughs> no, I don't have to act like a woman to express my feminine. Mm -hmm. In a very masculine way I can find expression, in a very manly way rather, mm -hmm. I can find expression to the feminine within me. Can't I mother somebody as a man, I'm asking. Have you not done it, many of the men? In a very masculine way, have you not mothered? Yes or no? In a very… F in a very female way, have you not fathered? So, let's take this off. In the existence, you must understand this, when most of the yoga that she was talking about, the… the housewives are taking up mm. from the TV station <laughs> and they're becoming yogis or yoga teachers, mm. they are talking about Hatha yoga mainly. Hatha yoga has become as popular as it's become because it's a rebound from the American coast. <laughs> from America? Yes, if it has to go across Atlanta, hit that land and come back, suddenly everything becomes sacred <laughs> I'm, say <laughs> I'm saying even a kindergarten child today would know that this human body Oh, it needs oxygen and it expels carbon dioxide, yes? Even a child would know. But somebody bottles carbon dioxide and says this is the real thing and the entire world drinks it simply because it comes from the… across the Atlantic. So we must understand what is the level of that influence <laughs> So, people are all talking about Hatha yoga. Let me explain what is Hatha. Ha means sun. Tha means moon. These are the two fundamental dimensions of masculine and feminine influence upon us. Sun is the symbolism of masculinity, moon is the symbolism of femininity. In this context, we are all born here and here only because our mother's bodies were in sync with the cycles of the moon. If our mothers did not sync with the cycles of the moon, we wouldn't be born, yes or no? So the feminine is connected with the moon and the masculine is connected with the sun. Or another way of looking at it is, we are looking at the solar system as a potter's wheel which churns up this body. If, let us say, the earth decided to speed up, like your uh, Wi-Fi speed, internet speed, you want more speed. Speed doesn't mean you're on an automobile or a motorcycle or something anymore, it means internet speed, okay <laughs> When youth say speed, they don't mean motorcycle they or something mean... else, they mean yeah. <laughs> speed <laughs> So, let's say the planet decided to speed up. If it sp did speed up, you will see most of the life that we know on this planet will disintegrate. We are like this only because this entire solar system is going in a certain way. We are a consequence of that. So, this is like a potter's wheel and we have churned up like this. So, in this potter's wheel, there are many 
the si entire system is playing a certain role in the making of this body, in this, the moon plays a little more significant role in the body of the feminine or the female. Because of that, we say feminine is dominant in her, compulsively feminine she is on that aspect. And the role of the sun is bigger in the man's system. Because of that, we say he is a male or masculine. There is a certain element of compulsively masculine stuff in him. So one is outgoing, another is receptive. Sun is outgoing, moon is a reflection for us. Our experience of moon is a reflection. You wouldn't have seen it unless it reflected, isn't it? Unless it reflected sun's light. Now because we have gotten into such a crudeness of mind, because somewhere we divided the universe, fundamentally because of religious thought in the world, that something is God, something is devil, something is good, something is evil, something is virtue, something is sin, something is high, something is low. Because we divided everything like this, we also divided masculine and feminine or male and female. Now once we divide, we have to discriminate which is superior to which. Now, because whoever is ruling the world, naturally they say, we are superior to you. All right? Mm. If you rule the world tomorrow, you will say, we are superior to you. I'm saying both are crude and stupid <laughs> This is two pieces of the same thing. Now you want to make one about the other, you will miss the essence of life. You… if you make a man superior to a woman, you will miss life. If you make a woman superior to man, you will miss life. Mm. If you want to know life, you… as I said earlier, you do not look up to anything, look down on anything. You see everything just the way it is. Suddenly you will see everything the way it is and everything is relevant. If we had seen this, we wouldn't have slaughtered the animals, we wouldn't have ripped the trees, we would have understood that all this is very much a part of our life, isn't it? Yes or no? We would have clearly understood and everybody understood till you got educated <laughs> Every tribe, in the world understood, everybody who lived with nature understood yes. the tree is as significant as me, without it I cannot live, is not some new environmental knowledge that you got because you got PhD in environmental sciences. Every human being knew this, but now we got educated. That means we got stuffed with information mm. and our intelligence took a backseat. In this environment, before we leave and go to the next question, I will then pose the question, the theme of tonight, which was, what is the future of fe feminine? In this environment, <laughs> Sadhguru, what is the future of the feminine? <clears throat> See, one thing we must understand, today, women have access to many things to which they did not have access to in the past not because of some great evolution that happened in human consciousness. It is simply technology. Technology which has leveled the playing field. Otherwise, believe me, don't believe that suddenly everybody has evolved and they brought up the women and gave them everything. No, because of technology, brawn does not rule anymore. The power of the muscle is not so important anymore because technology has leveled it. 
If you had big muscles at one time, you were a big man because your muscles were the most useful aspect of who you are. Today if you have big muscles, we will give you a menial job to do. We won't make you the boss, yes? There was a time whoever had the biggest muscles, he was the boss. Now if you have big muscles, we make you stand at the door. <laughs> we don't even let you in. You may make a good bouncer <laughs> So because of this, women have come up, but not feminine. Feminine will not come up unless in our education systems, this is important because you are involved with this. In our education systems, we have to make music, dance, art, creativity as important as science, technology, mathematics, whatever else. If you don't make this equally important, generally that art class is a damn useless class that you somehow go and do something and come up. You don't go to the art class the way to go to your math class, yes? It is just one more damn thing that you're supposed to be done with. No, till you make art, music, everything else which… which involves a certain creativity, which is concerned about the aesthetic of life, not just the utility of life. A woman is useless if you think in terms of utility. It is the aesthetic. She is the flower of human species. Now flower is useless for somebody who is thinking in some of you, let's grow the vegetables. Why flowering plants in the garden? Yes, let's grow vegetables, fruits, what we can eat, it will nourish us. What do the damn flowers do? They won't do anything. I'm telling you, this is an extreme thing I'm telling you, but do not… do not take this for granted because if… if men could exist without women, you should not be surprised if large-scale slaughter happens. They still can't live without them. That's the reason why they're keeping them alive <laughs> Yes, I know this is an extreme thing I'm saying, but I'm telling you, as long our attitude is in terms of what is useful, what is not useful, what is not useful, get rid of it, this is where it'll go. Not that entire world will go that way, but people will start behaving in those terms. It may not actually physically happen, but it will start happening in human mind. What is not useful to you, get rid of it. And in this, the maximum beating will be taken by the woman of the world. So it's extremely important. The aesthetic of life is as important as the utilitarian aspect of life. What is useful and what is beautiful is equally important. If this doesn't come into every child's mind through our education systems, feminine will have a hard time to survive. You know, that there is some good news. I think this discussion comes at the right time. Uh, many of us know that the, they are trying to review the curriculum in the education system and there's been a refocusing now on going to the aesthetics, the talent, the art. Yeah, but the, the problem is right now, yes. if your children start learning art, music and start enjoying their life, the Indians will do information technology <laughs> and they'll go ahead <laughs> And I'm leave saying, us behind. Yes, see, that is the problem. Mm. Right now the world is on a race. Nobody knows what we are racing towards. Anybody who looks at it can see we are racing towards a disaster. If we are thinking ourselves as the last generation, of course we'll win. 
But if you are thinking of a world as a continuum and we are just a pop-up on this planet, mm. all right? We are a two-second pop-up on this planet and we'll pop out. If we understand this, then we know we're racing towards a disaster. If we don't slow down, there is no other way. Slowing down will not happen because human aspirations cannot be controlled. Only when your aspiration is finding a genuine expression, when I say a genuine expression, see right now, whoever you are as a human being, you want to be something more, isn't it? If you try to be something more in a very physical way, we call this sexuality. What sexuality means is, what is not you, you want to make it a part of yourself, that's the effort. Well, it never succeeds for a moment, it feels like a success after that, it goes away. If you attempt the same thing, emotionally, we call this love. What you're calling as love is the same thing. What is not you, you're trying to make it a part of yourself, in an emotional sense. If it finds a mental expression, it gets labeled as greed, as ambition, as conquest or simply shopping. <laughs> what is not you, you're trying to make it a part of yourself. If it finds a conscious expression, we call this yoga. What is not you became a part of you in your experience because you consciously did it and this can be kept up, this can be lived through every moment of your life. It is not a one-moment experience, it is a living experience that you experience everything as yourself. Yoga does not mean twisting yourself, yoga does not mean hanging upside down, yoga does not mean convoluting something, no. The word yoga means union, that means you learned how to erase the boundaries of your individuality. Because right now when you sit, you are this, this is me, that is her, all right? <laughs> But a transaction is happening on many levels. Let's just take the breath. What you exhale, the trees are inhaling. What the trees exhale, you're inhaling. One half of your breathing apparatus is hanging out there. <laughs> so you are not such a solid state. If you don't have too much intelligence to look at all the other dimensions, at least this you can see, if you don't understand, hold your nose for two, two minutes, you will clearly understand what I'm saying. <laughs> you are not an existence by yourself. This is a living reality, in this you have blown your bubble and the creation is so magnanimous. For a minuscule microscopic nonsense like you, it has given you a fantastic sense of individuality. I'm… I'm not trying to depreciate you, I want you to understand. In the space of this cosmos, nobody knows where it begins, where it ends. In this cosmos, the very planet, the very solar system is a speck. In that speck, this planet Earth is a super speck. In that super speck, this Nairobi is a micro super speck, all right? In that you are a big man. <laughs> I'm saying… I'm saying this is a serious loss of perspective. If we have lost these perspectives mainly because of the so-called religious thought that we have in this world. Somebody told you, you are the center of the universe. 
No, you… your very solar system, tomorrow morning if the solar system evaporates, nobody will notice it, that's how small it is. Yes, you and me may be very big, but before you and me came, there were countless number of people on this planet, yes? They were also very smart, they were also very big people in their times. Where are they? All topsoil, huh? Don't wait till you become topsoil <laughs> or you think your friends will bury you real deep, <laughs> fearing that you may raise from the dead. And we shall all be topsoil one day. That, yes. That, that, that is so, true. but if you realize this now, that you are just a small pop-up. One of the most fundamental things that we have is as a generation, we have a baton to carry how the world was given to us, how our parents made us, we should make the world little better for the next generation. And not only that, we must make the next generation little better than yes. us. You know, Otherwise, we've failed as a generation. Sadhguru, I, I, you know, I'm so touched that you said that because I started a hashtag some months ago, better than us, because it just hit me. No, they, they are, have to The problem be. is they already think so. They do. They <laughs> do. By the way, I think they already are. I think they already are. But if they can, can you imagine if they can just be better than us? If they can, if we can just do better with them, that's a, that's a good start. I'm, I, I'm so touched that you said that. I see hands up there. So gentlemen in green up there, I see that. There was a hand right at the back there somewhere. It's gone? Okay, so there's a lady at the front now. Um, hey, it's okay, you yes. can pick on the ladies. I oh, won't, no. I won't comment <laughs> Gentlemen at the back first and then you'll go ahead, please, thank you. The microphone is not on. I think, can we give you a minute just okay, to let sort out the, the mic? Okay, Turn it on, please. Thank you. Sadhguru, please accept my humble pranam. My name is Santosh. I am born in India but working in Africa for last uh, fifteen years. In the beginning of the discussion, you started that we are so busy in doing things that does not matter. Actually, they should not matter and we forget to enjoy life. Now, when I look at myself, is it has been almost fifteen years or little more in profession and we as professionals probably say for example, I am into FMCG sector and I am creating a brand to create how my product should look at it. I actually enjoy it. I enjoy the creativity in the product, in its distribution system, innovation that we bring into the business and sometimes it takes more than 10 hours or 12 hours of a day. Now for somebody, including some of members of my family, probably that is something that is… that should not matter or probably I am, I am in a mad rush. But no, I am enjoying it. Now my… my dilemma is where to draw a line. For example, I, I will extend this little no, further. No, you asked a question, you shouldn't answer the question, it won't be <laughs> Thank you, thank you so much for the question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't think drawing the line is your prerogative all the time. If you get too much involved with your fancy product, your wife will draw the line 
talking about the future of the feminine <laughs> Your family will draw the line. Sometimes it's a line that you cannot cross after some time, yes. And they may be on the other side of the line. Yes. I read something that you said. Yes. You may live in the same home, but they may be on the other side of the line and you can never cross the line. Yes or no? Does it happen or not? Yes. So, if you love creating products, you can do it. Nobody's saying no. It's just that everything that we take up needs a certain level of involvement. Without involvement, many things won't work. And first of all, you must understand, you got married and created a family to fulfill your needs, not to fulfill their needs. Your children did not come knocking on your semen <laughs> Yes? They did not come and knock, please make me happen <laughs> It's your needs which made these things happen. We must understand this because lot of people are becoming uh, overly this thing that I did this, I did this, you know. No, nobody asked you that you should do all this. You did this to fulfill your own needs, isn't it? Now that your needs are maybe a little bit fulfilled, now suddenly you become magnanimous and you think others, you know, I don't have such needs anymore, I just create a nice cosmetic product and I'm doing great. Mm. Yes, it is so. At different stages in your life you have different needs, but once you step into certain things, certain needs will hold you because certain needs that you touch demand commitment. Is it okay if I tell you a joke? Hmm? <laughs> it once happened, a man had a gall of… gall of fight with his wife. That's not a rare happening, you know. So he didn't know what to do, he stormed out of the house. It's only after you walk out on the street, then you don't know, you don't know where to go <laughs> So he loitered here and there and everywhere and went little outside the town. It was evening, he was just struggling, he has to find a dignified reason to get back, all right? He's left home. You need a good reason, either she must come searching, but if she doesn't come, he must find a… Yeah. a decent reason to get back. So he was loitering around, then he saw a sadhu. A sadhu means a wandering mendicant. So he was just settling down for the night under a tree. He went and like you, did pranams, fell at his feet <laughs> and said, Sadhu Maharaj, bivi bhot parishan de raha hai. Kuch sulub upaya to bolo. The sadhu glared at him and said, Beokhuf, sulub upaya hai to mein kyu sadhu ban kaya baid raha Translate. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> he said, uh, he begged Sadhu, uh -huh. he fell at his feet and said, My wife is giving me too much trouble. If there is an easy solution, 
please tell me, there's a simple easy solution. Mm -hmm. So Sadhu glared at him and said, you idiot, if there was a simple easy solution, why would I be wandering <laughs> around the world <laughs> I'm saying, to create anything that you want, it takes a certain involvement. Right. You created a family because you wanted a certain atmosphere around you. If you were made like this, you were fine by yourself. That if you sit here, you're complete by yourself, you wouldn't have bothered to make a family. You made it because… not because they need you, because you can't live without it. Let's be straight about it, yes or no? So, now suddenly halfway down, you suddenly change your tack, then they will know how to deal with it. Wow, then the line <laughs> will be drawn, the line… We, our final question for the night because we really… it's already time to wrap up. I'm so sorry, I do see the hands and I really apologize. Please go ahead. Good evening. Um, thank you for giving me the last question. Uh, you said something that uh, is very interesting when you said that um, it's our responsibility to uh, make the generation after us a bit better. And me, for me as a young mother, it's quite a concern. And I would like to ask you, Sadhguru, if you have three tips to give me as a mom on how to protect my children from disconnections of themselves while living in this society, what would it be? Would you give us your name, please? Introduce My name yourself. is Marie. Thank you. Thank you. Marie, the three tips are involvement and involvement and deeper involvement. Wow. <laughs> because… And it never stops. It never stops. No, if they do well, it stops. Oh, oh really? If really? We have to <laughs> let go? Really? <laughs> Whether you let go or if you let go, it'll happen in a beautiful way. If you don't let go, they will escape. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is, if you brought them up well. If you brought them up in a helpless manner, mm. they will stay with you, wingless birds, all right? Mm. Wingless birds have happened in some very extreme climates. So if your birds at home are wingless, mm. that means you have an extreme climate. That's what it means. Now, <clears throat> when I say involvement, 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 you must understand this. This idea, you know, this is something that's in common usage, that I was brought up this way, I was brought up that way or I was raised this way. I thought we only raise cattle <laughs> Human beings need not be raised. People say, I was raised Hindu, I was raised Christian, I was raised this. Nobody should be raised anyway because when it comes to creation the way it is, for all the other creatures, nature has drawn two lines. Be be within that, they live and die. When it comes to a human being, nature has drawn only one line, baseline, no top line. So the important thing is you should never raise them. Your business is just to create a loving, supportive atmosphere. Oh, suppose they become something which is not like me. If they become like you, that's a crime <laughs> They should become something that you could not imagine as a generation, isn't it? What should your children become? 
they should not become what you desire, they should become what you could not imagine. So do you have the courage to raise something that you cannot imagine? First of all, you need to un understand, your children are not yours. You don't own the life. It's a privilege, they came through you, you enjoyed all that. You laughed with them, you cried with them, you played with them, you enjoyed all that. But they don't belong to you. They only come through you. Just enjoy the privilege that they are with you now. And that's about it. You don't try to raise them. You just… your business as a mother is to create, protect them against a few things which, which can cause damage to them because you're not the only influence, there's a world influencing them. And for a modern mother, because I have to tell you this because uh, internet is a bigger influence than mother or father or anybody for that matter. I know this may look like an archaic opinion, but you will regret this in future if you don't do this now. At least till they are twelve to fourteen years of age, there is no need for these things, mm -hmm. these gadgets. They must learn to use this gadget. Mm -hmm. This is… <laughs> this is the most sophisticated technology on this planet. This human mechanism, isn't this the highest level of technology in the universe that we know? Mm -hmm. There may be some alien who is better than us but we have not seen. But among what we have seen, this is the highest level of technology, isn't it? The only problem with human beings is they have not even bothered to read the user's manual <laughs> Now what internet means is, what your school means is, the present level of schooling, what it means is cram yourself with all kinds of things. You pay attention to everything, you know what is inside a frog, how a frog's liver looks. What are you going to do with this? <laughs> I'm saying every high school child is cutting open a cockroach and a frog, what for? I'm, I'm saying when you bring up children with this level of cruelty, a live frog, you open it up and enjoy his heart beating. What are you made of, I'm asking? You call this science? I call this inhumanity. I call this absolutely senseless way of raising your children. Oh no, we learned so much. If they've learned so much, that is enough. Show it on a computer how a heart beats. Where is the need for everybody to open up a live animal nailed to a piece of wood? Almost all of you have done it, right? It was traumatic. Yeah, I was traumatized. No, I'm saying we call this education, yeah, a okay. heartless education. What is the point of a heartless education? If you do this kind of education, you will have… you will create a heartless society, which you are seeing in so many different ways. We are training children to become brutes. See, if I can nail a frog to this wooden platform, cut him open when he's still alive and screaming, and look at his heart and how it beats, I enjoy it, and I fiddle around with his liver, I'm saying, at another level, why can't I pick one of you and do the same thing? <laughs> Only because there is a law, I may be stopping, isn't it? Yes or no? That's what it amounts to, isn't it so? 
Only because there is a law against it, I may be stopping. A law cannot make us human beings. A law can control a few things in the society. This will not shape human consciousness. Because human beings experience themselves in a certain way, we thought of bringing that in the form of law. But law will not make a human being. If you are human, you will naturally be in a certain way. This must come forth. If you want to bring up your children, if they're still below five, six years of age now, the best thing to do is not expose them to all these things, expose them to life. When I say life, there is nature, there is insect, there is animal, there is worm. I'm telling you, these creatures are far more important than you. Tomorrow, if all the insects disappear, you have the entire life on this planet will cease to exist in about four to five years' time. Do you know this? If all the worms disappear, the entire life on this planet will cease to exist in approximately eighteen months to twenty-four months. When somebody calls you a worm, you must understand they're saying you're a very important life <laughs> But if all the human beings disappear tomorrow morning, this world will flourish. So we must understand we are not the only life. We are here as a product of all this life evolving to this place. We must at least show some sign of evolution, isn't it? We are supposed to be the peak of evolution on this planet. Should we not show that we are little better than them? But we are not showing this simply because we are screwed up with our scriptures, our textbooks, our teachings. No, please expose them to life. Child will understand life perfectly well. They are better equipped to perceive life than you are because they are not structured in their head. They perceive life. Oh, what will happen to them? How will they earn a living? If you allow a child to develop his body and his brain to the fullest. There are ways to do it, I can't go elaborate on this now, but there are ways where we can ensure the human body and the human brain has grown to its full size in every way. If you have a full-grown body and full-grown brain, they will know how to deal with anything for that matter. Half-grown brain but you're highly educated, what is the point? You don't know how to live. You may know how to extract something from the world, but you don't know how to live. Isn't that the fate of humanity right now, unfortunately? Mm -hmm. They know how to extract something from everything. I want you to know they're extracting protein from microscopic bacteria, but still human beings are not healthy <laughs> So we know how to extract, but we don't know how to live because we are paying attention to everything we are not paying attention to this, this needs attention. Not in the mirror, not through somebody else, but inwardly, beyond this body, beyond this mind, to know what is the nature of my existence. The more you know about this, the better you can handle it, yes or no? Yes. How far is it? What do I have to do for this? How far it is? Should I book a Himalayan cave for myself <laughs> or my child? It's gone already. <laughs> it's already it's gone, gone, taken. Yes. It's taken, no accommodation. It's taken. It's like this. Someone came looking for Isha Yoga Center in southern India. They came to your local village and asked a boy who was sitting there, how far is Isha Yoga Center? 
The boy said, it's twenty-four thousand nine hundred and ninety-six marks. I said, what that for? He said, yeah, the way you're going, if you turn around, it's four marks <laughs> We have to turn around, in is the only way out <laughs> We have come to… We've, we've come to… Thank you so much. We have come to the close, but I, I do have a final question that I think is so pertinent in, in an environment where people are talking at each other so much, you know? And, and I've, I've done interviews for so many years in the media, and there's always this need to have a confrontation, you know, to one-up, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna one-up the person I'm sitting with, rather than the need to listen to what the next person is saying before you even respond. Um, what, what advice can you give us as to how we start to better relate and speak to each other rather than at each other? How to listen and still have TRP? T T T oh, you don't know what's TRP? No, what's oh. TRP? <laughs> it's a, a rating system in India for each television channel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody has understood the only way to have TRP is all of us shouting at the same time. <laughs> if you listen, there is no TRP. Anyway, uh, now the TRP is not relevant in Kenya <laughs> See, because uh, this was about the lady, we're talking about the feminine, but she's on the phone. Hello. <laughs> she's tweeting what you're saying. She's… <laughs> yes. <laughs> In the yogic culture, a woman is referred to as a sati. Sati means one who knows how to wait. Because waiting was always considered a higher quality than doing. Because all action has a beginning and an end but waiting can be eternal. There is an eternal quality to waiting. Just by waiting, people transform themselves. There are innumerable stories in the yogic culture where women became great seers and sages without any spiritual practice, no religion, no nothing, simply waiting. And if anything beautiful has to happen in your life, you have to learn to wait. Suppose you want to grow a garden in your house. If you're in a rush that you must have flowers tomorrow morning in your garden, you just have to buy Singapore plastic flowers and stick it. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to plant and wait. You want to deliver a baby, you have to wait, isn't it? There is a waiting quality, you just have to wait. With a belly full, it may feel like an eternity, <laughs> but you wait, simply wait. You don't mess with it, you just wait. Because everything beautiful in the universe happens like this. If you create the necessary conditions and you wait, it will happen. The same goes for bringing up children. You create the necessary atmosphere and you wait, they will grow. If you think you must fix 
you cannot fix. You may know how to reproduce, but you do not know how to fix your children, do you? Hello? <laughs> if you have the love and commitment, you can wait. Because to wait, you need an enormous sense of love and commitment to something, otherwise you cannot wait. Only when you have a deep sense of love and commitment, you can wait, otherwise you cannot wait. One thing that they're learning today is inability to wait. 4G, not fast enough. <laughs> there was a time from India, these people, their forefathers traveled for over thirty to forty-five days to reach the Kenyan coast, okay, to East… East to reach East Africa. But today they are here in five hours probably flat, but it's too much time. <laughs> they can't wait anymore. I'm not saying we should not have faster airplanes and faster cars, I'm always for speed that way <laughs> But you must know how to wait. What you said as listening is just a part of waiting. This is important that we must inculcate this in our children and in everybody's life. How much time you spend in expression, you must spend at least equal amount of time in perception. Right now, this is a world of over-expression. Like you said, somebody is tweeting what I am saying. It doesn't matter, they missed the next thing but they tweeted the last thing. That's important, expression. This is a world where it's all about expression today, no perception. You will become hollower and hollower as days go by. You will know that galaxy Z67, what is the distance between that galaxy and the planet Earth? It doesn't mean a damn thing whether it's a million light years or ten million light years or a billion light years. What does a goddamn light year mean to you, I'm asking? It's just a word, isn't it? It's just words and words. Our education has become just words and words and words because they gathered so many words, they have to spill it all the time. So one thing that everybody can do is in your life, mm. at least one day in a month, this is very much a part of the Indian culture, I don't know whether they're still keeping it. One day in a month, you're supposed to eat little less and not say anything silent, mm. simply quietly. Not reading, not doing it, simply quietly. Because you must spend enough time in perception before you express, then your expression will be of a great quality. If you're all expression and no perception, then you have a life on Facebook <laughs> Thank you so much. Please, let's give a warm round of applause <laughs> to Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Can we take our selfie?